welcome to Concord Matters. Thank you for joining us on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. We have a simple goal here on Concord Matters, to seek unity in our confession of the Christian faith through the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 15, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant that you live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We seek this harmony by the Holy Spirit through the study of the clear and concise teachings confessed in the Book of Concord. Because you see, the Book of Concord is not another Bible or even at the same level as the Bible, but we believe, teach, and confess that these writings are in accord from the 16th century in accord with the Holy Scriptures, which is our source and our hope. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today, as we look continue to look at the Augsburg Confession, you've heard it said, confession is good for the soul. But isn't that just a Catholic thing? <laughs> what do Lutherans actually believe, teach, and confess according to Scripture concerning private confession and absolution? Do we need to start building some dark confessionals in our churches? Is it an outdated practice that is no longer needed? We'll take a fresh look at it today by opening up our Bibles and open up your book of Concord, and let's start confessing. If you have any questions concerning the study, our study of the Augsburg Confession, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. KFUO at KFUO.org. Joining us in the Confession of Christ this morning, we welcome the Reverend Dr. Joshua Miller of Jehovah Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. Pastor Miller, welcome to Concord Matters. Thanks, Brady. Good to be with you today. Pastor Miller, this is our first time together here on KFUO. Can you give us a tell us about yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at Jehovah Lutheran? Certainly. Um, I've been a pastor in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, for three years. Um, I have my PhD in uh, systematic theology, and it's really kind of in the area of historical theology. Um, I am a proud husband and father of uh, my wife, Katie, and then my, my three boys, Martin, Peter, and Thomas, and they sure keep me and her very busy with all <laughs> kinds of things and all, di all different places that we're going in life. Um, Jehovah Lutheran is located in the Midway neighborhood of St. Paul, and we're really kind of a unique congregation. I mean, everybody thinks their congregation is unique, of course, but uh, we're unique in that we're probably the most urban of any of the parishes of the Minnesota South District of the LCMS. We are located at just north of a very significant intersection in the city of St. Paul. And so we have a really urban feel with all kinds of the, the opportunities and the challenges that an inner city parish uh, presents. But nonetheless, we are happy and we are excited that we are reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ and working with other congregations on our circuit to do so. And we have some really cool new outreach projects going on. And through all of that, um, I, I personally return time and time again to the Lutheran confessions for inspiration, uh, for pastoral wisdom, and for support as I go about all the various tasks of being a pastor in this time and place. That's a reminder for you, our listeners, to continue to pray not only for, obviously, all of our congregations, but those congregations that are working in the harvest in our cities. Often we will, you know, not 
a lot of us don't have much experience with the city. And so for a congregation like Jehovah, which was, by the way, in the 60s where my father would go to church when he went to Concordia St. Paul, that there's a lot of rich history, but also rich opportunities among the nations in places like in St. Paul. So um, I encourage our listeners to pray for Pastor Miller, the saints at Jehovah Lutheran Church, and as they continue to engage with, with the gospel, to that beloved community in, well, the great state of Minnesota, of course, as I would say. So, so Pastor, I want us to dig right in here this morning. To you, our listeners, we are studying the Lutheran Confessions from the Reader's Edition of the Book of Concord from Concordia Publishing House, and we are on page 35 as we look at Article 11. We're going to begin by reading the note as we begin our confession study this morning. It is written on page 35. By the time of the Reformation, the practice of confessing sins privately and confidentially to a pastor had been a well-accepted church practice for over a thousand years. Private confession and absolution was never something Lutherans wanted to get rid of. As time went on, the practice fell into disuse, but clearly Article 11 assumes that private confession and absolution will take place in the Lutheran church. The problem addressed by this article is that the Roman church demanded every sin be recalled and confessed. Clearly, this is humanly impossible and makes our forgiveness dependent on our work. Such teaching is certainly dangerous to repentant consciences, which we find which need firm assurance that Christ forgives all sin. Pastor, as we look at some of the background, I mean, it's fascinating to even talk about confession and absolution as we speak here. So, how do you want to begin as we look at this very important article? Well, I think maybe the first question we should we should think about is, is confession and absolution a sacrament? And we have kind of a, a mixed history on this in our Lutheran heritage and in our Lutheran confessions. I remember uh, my son, who is who at the time was in eighth grade, coming home from his Lutheran day school with an assignment to write an essay on the two sacraments. And uh, of course, he wanted to interview his dad, the pastor, as a resource on this. And I said, sure. And I, and I told him, I said, the first thing I would say is that we have three sacraments in the Lutheran faith, in the Lutheran understanding of Christianity, not just two sacraments. If we uh, look uh, further on in the Augsburg Confession, we see that confession, and in its apology particularly, we see that confession is listed alongside baptism and, uh, and Holy Communion as a sacrament. Uh, now, um, it's very important that we understand that the sacramental part of this is actually the absolution, and we can probably get into that a little bit later if we talk about the comparison with the medieval Catholic practice of confession and absolution. But also in uh, the, the small called articles, Martin Luther lists confessions alongside of preaching the gospel, and our, our absolution particularly alongside the preaching of the gospel, baptism, and Holy Communion as a means of grace, as a way that the Holy Spirit comes to us and applies the benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection for us. And so in that sense, absolution really is a sacrament. Now, in his catechisms, Luther 
more or less talks about absolution as the ongoing part of the sacrament of baptism. But, um, but, but in the confessions, we also have it described as a sacrament itself, which Luther also said in the Babylonian captivity of the church in 1520. He critiqued the, the seven sacrament system of the Church of Rome and said there are only three sacraments that have biblical warrant. There are only three sacraments that the New Testament tells us uh, the grace of Christ comes to us through these means, and they are baptism, holy communion, and absolution. So that's probably the, the first thing to look at that. And my guess is one of the reasons why Lutherans will often say that there are two sacraments, particularly in the United States, is because, well, you, you kind of uh, mentioned this in the note uh, in, in our Book of Concord, that this has kind of fallen out of use. Private absolution has kind of fallen out of use. It is not widespread, but the confessions assume, particularly the Augsburg Confession assumes, that this is going to take place in the Lutheran churches. So as we look at this, the question of, is it a sacrament, is a little bit, um, well, I mean, it's clear when we, especially how we define a sacrament, <coughs> excuse me, but at the same time, we want to always cling to that physical element and the forgiveness of sins that is there, while at the same time, not losing our minds too much, is it a sacrament or isn't it, but to look at the benefits that's given through confession absolution, because if you're anything like me, I can get lost in the weeds and trying to determine exactly what is it. But also, we got to look at the benefits. Any any other thoughts on on the as we begin our study um, before we actually dig into the text? Yeah. Um, so um, in the apology, uh, in Article Eight of the apology, um, the Melanchthon kind of gets into this and uh, he says uh, these therefore baptism, Lord's Supper, and absolution. It's noteworthy he mentions absolution particularly, not confession and absolution, but absolution, uh, are truly sacraments. And then he goes uh, through, and and yeah, we could check, you know, all the lists of those things, and we could say, you know, maybe the pastor or the other Christian is the physical element here, the, the, the literal mm -hmm. representative of the body of Christ. But you're absolutely right. The thing to focus on isn't the metaphysics of it. The thing to focus on is what is Christ doing here? And he's coming to us with his promise that does what it says, uh, that, that namely, it forgives our sins. And the important thing, I think, is that we remember that sins are forgiven. They're not, it, it's not just that a forgiveness that happened at one point is pointed to but that they are forgiven in time of space, that that forgiveness that Jesus won once and for all on the cross is given to us, is applied to us in time and space through the absolution. Um, and we have both in our catechism and in our, our Lutheran service book, you know, as if Christ himself stood before us. And I think that's the that's the the thing to hold on to is the assurance and the and the promise that Jesus gives us there that we really are forgiven. That's the main thing. 
I'm into that. And I would encourage you, our listeners, we reference this a lot on Concord Matters, is the connection of Scripture, our confessions, and our hymnal. So I would encourage our listeners, because I encourage you quite a bit, to buy a hymnal or to uh, maybe borrow one from your church. Of course, take it back or else I'll be stealing. But on on in this, another good reference point is to look in our Lutheran service book on page 292, which has the following Order of Individual Confession and Absolution. Um, it's based on the Luther Small Catechism, so you could use that as well. But just as a common reference point, 200, 292 in Lutheran Service Book, just to look at that, reference it maybe this morning, but also for your own study and edification. Or maybe you even take this to your pastor and say, I need to confess my sins. So, Pastor, let's, let's dig into the actual text, because there is so much to unpack here, even though it's only a few words. We're on page 35 and 36 of the reader's edition of the Book of Concord, and we confess with Augsburg uh, Article 11. Our churches teach that private absolution should be retained in the churches, although listing all sins is not necessary for confession. For according to Psalm, for the Psalm, it is impossible. Who can discern his errors? Psalm 19, verse 12. So, Pastor, there's some... It, there's things being said that are not being said. So they're saying it should be retained in the churches, which maybe has some historical assumptions to it. Can you break that down for us? Yeah, so this was presented, by the way, yesterday was the anniversary of the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. Oh, that's right. And yeah. uh, since it fell on a Sunday, we actually turned it into um, a festival Sunday and and did all of the fun things and actually read part of it. Um, in the in the place of the creed in the liturgy, um, it was real really uh, fun to do that. But that was in 1530, June 25th, 1530. And uh, as uh, as as we kind of begin to unpack this, we see things like you said that there's something behind this. If we hear Melanchthon, who who wrote this article, Philip Melanchthon saying, our churches teach that private absolution should be retained in the churches, well, then we're kind of asking ourselves, does this mean that private absolution had been neglected in the churches? And I think that it had. In 1529, the year before this was written, uh, both Luther and Melanchthon, as well as other faculty members from the University of Wittenberg, went out into the what we would call the Lutheran churches. They didn't necessarily like that title themselves at first, but it, it stuck ultimately. They go out into the new Lutheran churches, and they're actually appalled by what they find. Um, they find that uh, the Lutheran pastors don't even know the faith, much less their parishioners. They see that confirmation classes are not being held, uh, catechesis is not happening, uh, and people are not people cannot recite the basic catechism. And the catechism, remember, is the text of the uh, Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. And to that, uh, Luther, Melanchthon, and the others add the baptismal formula that we find at the end of Matthew and the words of institution of Holy Communion. And then later on, the giving of the Office of the Keys <clears throat> is added to that as well. But along with that, 
they also found that pastors had become lazy and uh, they had they had accommodated themselves very well to not having to be celibate anymore. And they're they're involved in family life, which Luther does not condemn. But what they find is they're actually neglecting their duties. And one of the duties that is neglected is this. And we hear here in the in the Augsburg Confession, I think, Melanchthon's take on the bad state of affairs that they went that they found when they went out visiting. They went out visiting to see what is the faith of the people like. And Luther uh, expounds on this in his introduction to his his two catechisms and and tells what appalling conditions they were. But I think what we hear from Melanchthon is basically there's an unspoken report behind this. There's probably also the accusation by the Roman clergy, oh, they've taken away the, the they've taken away private confession and absolution. And so it's probably twofold. Number one, it probably had been neglected in the Lutheran congregations, and Melanchthon wants to encourage them to do that. He says later in the Apology to the Augsburg Confession, it is the pastor's duty to, to give private absolution. It is the pastor's duty to privately forgive the sins of those who are troubled by their sins. It's his job. It's his God-given responsibility to do. And then at the same time, we also hear Melanchthon saying, hey, no, we haven't given this up either. And so that's what you see um, in that phrase. Um, the next phrase there that I think is very important is, but it's not necessary to list all sins. And there's some historical background behind that one as well. Well, how about you go for it? So what we have uh, there is Luther's reform of the sacrament of confession and absolution. The sacrament of confession and absolution in medieval Roman Catholicism was actually usually referred to as the sacrament of penance. And we probably all know about how Luther uh, rejected the idea of penance. That is the idea of you having to do something to show that you are sorry enough for God to forgive you because God has already forgiven you because of Jesus' death and resurrection for you. And because of that, Luther takes the fourfold sacrament of penance in, um, in medieval Catholicism and he uses kind of an evangelical redux on it. He hits it with the gospel, and he knocks it down to two. Previously, in medieval Roman theology, uh, the sacrament had four parts. First of all, confession, identifying what your sins were, and you had to tell them all as much as you could. Secondly, contrition. Do you show that you are really sorry enough for this? And then thirdly, satisfaction. You got to do something to prove that you are sorry. And then finally, absolution is the fourth part. But you know, this is really a conditional absolution. Absolution or forgiveness, and let's, let's keep in mind, uh, listeners, absolution simply means forgiveness. The, the forgiveness in the medieval sacrament of confession and absolution was dependent upon, is the person confessing telling all their sins, 
are they showing that they are sorry enough by their contrition, by an attitude of humility? And have they made satisfaction for this, usually by penance? And what we find here in the Augsburg Confession is Melanchthon says, listing sins isn't necessary, all of their sins, listing all of your sins isn't necessary. It's not even possible. And then in the Apology, he gets a little more specific and he says, but the person should list whatever they feel really guilty for, whatever their conscience is really bothering them about. They should list that before the pastor. But by no means is the pastor supposed to pry or prod or see, is this person really sorry enough? Melanchthon says, there is no uh, contrition that has to has to be shown. Just just coming to confession is its own contrition, and no satisfaction has to be made. Why? Well, because Christ Himself has made full satisfaction for all of our sins. And so Luther knocks it down from four to just two. And so when we look in the small catechism, uh, it's just confession and absolution. Confession and absolution has two parts, right? There's confession and there's absolution. There's saying, I'm sorry, I have sinned, here's my sin. The next part is the absolution, which is the pastor giving forgiveness as from Jesus Christ himself. And so you see, these, these historical realities are kind of behind Article 11 in the Augsburg Confession. They're not listed there. Melanchthon kind of expounds on them more in the Apology, but this is what's going on behind the scenes in that article. And I would encourage our listeners to go back to when we studied the small catechism and covered confession, because it did cover a lot of what Pastor Miller uh, just mentioned. But I also want to, uh, as we a few minutes before our break, is to go back to the small catech, the uh, excuse me, the the Lutheran service book on page two ninety two, where it, it mentions, and you see this at play exactly what Pastor Miller was saying is it speaks about. When the person comes, it's very clear from the way that we have it in this rite is that this person has gone out of their way to come. So let's not go in there and beat them up more than they already are, you know, to got to go through a list. And myself, when I've gone to confession absolution, there's a certain part of this where you're like, I, okay, I'm, I'm here to confess. I made a, a you know, I've, this is a faith statement, really, of saying that I need the forgiveness of sin. So in, in itself is a form of repentance. And so when you go down the list, you, you start confessing, it gives you a list. And what it says, the specific sins, it says, it has a whole list of what it says like this. I, a poor sinner, plead guilty before God of all sins. And it's much like we have on Sunday morning. And then it says, if you, in the rubrics, if you wish to confess specific sins that trouble you, continue as follows which lines up exactly what Melanchthon said in the Apology of that if there's ones that particularly trouble you, then to do to confess those, what troubles me particularly is that. Clearly, it says the pastor may gently, you notice this, gently question or instruct, not to pry or judge, but to assist in self-examination. I think one of the great blessings that we have is what our confessions were concerned about in Melanchthon and the Concordians in those days, we also are concerned about today. And Pastor, you want to speak to a little bit as a pastor yourself. Um, what are some of the concerns you have that you share with Melanchthon and the Concordians as they wrote this article on confession? 
Well, some of the concerns, um, one major concern is to offer private confession and absolution. Um, and I think as pastors, those of us who are pastors, we need to make sure that we offer this. And I think that means more than just a passive, okay, um, if somebody comes to me and during the midst of the conversation blurts out a confession, I'm going to forgive them. Uh, certainly that happens. And it happens, you know, fairly frequently. And at that point, I think it is very important to stop the conversation and say something along the lines of what you've just said to me is a confession of sin. And um, as you're called pastor, I, I, it is now my obligation and my joy to give you God's forgiveness for that. I can see that you are burdened by this. I can see that this weighs you down. I know that this is what brought you in here today. This is part of why you came to talk to me and, and to go ahead and give them the absolution. Um, but, but we shouldn't limit it to that. We should, each one of us, uh, set aside a time during the week where we let parishioners know, hey, I am available for, conf for private confession and absolution during this time. And people will take you up on it, uh, even, even if that has not been practiced in your ministry or in your congregation for a very long time. Maybe it hasn't ever been practiced. But if you let folks know that, um, you will find out that uh, you have business as a pastor during that time. People will come to you. Um, well, I want to talk more about that on the other side of our break. We are studying confession absolution from the Augsburg Confession with the Reverend Dr. Joshua Miller from Jehovah Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We will be right back. military veteran, engineer, entrepreneur. These are just some of the former careers held by current LCMS pastors, careers that they left behind to serve congregations in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. No matter the background, our Lord calls men who have a passion for the word and a love for serving Christ to be pastors, a sacred, joyful, and essential vocation. If you or a friend have been praying and thinking about becoming a pastor, visit weareyourseminaries.org and put your experience and skills to new use in pastoral ministry. Visit weareyourseminaries.org seminaries.org. Welcome back. We are confessing the truth according, according to scripture in the Augsburg Confession of Confession Absolution with the Reverend Dr. Joshua Miller of Jehovah Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. Now, Pastor, before our time, uh, before we went to our break, it is fascinating to me to just look at going from four to two when we talk about confession. Now, I just want to think about this a little more in a pastoral uh, sense in our churches. And for you, our listeners, if you are a lay person, that, that the goal really is for you to have a clear conscience. <laughs> the goal is not for you to go there and get more beat up by your pastor because you're there. Um, it goes from four to two. And it's very simple when you look at the layout of an individual confession absolution. I just want to take a step back there again, Pastor, as you said, we want to make sure that people know this is available. We want to make sure that people, maybe we set aside time to do this. And Pastor, what have been some of the blessings you've seen with the simplistic approach of confession absolution um, in, 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 as you serve nowadays? 
Um, well, just just seeing the relief of people when when they're finally able to to share something that has been burdening them for a very long time, um, and and of course, you know what what we would like to do as pastors is well, here's an example that I can give you of that, but of course, we actually can't do that uh, because one of the one of the wonderful things about private confession and absolution for the person confessing is the pastor never gets to repeat this again. Uh, the, the only possible way in which this would ever be talked about again is if the same person comes and says, hey, this is, this is a recurring sin. This is a habit I'm falling into and confesses basically the same thing again. Then we can have a little bit of a conversation, but um, those, those conversations never get to be shared with, with another human being outside of, of those two and Christ our Lord who is, who is present there with us. I think just know just for our people to know that there is a place where they can come and unburden themselves with literally anything they have done against God or their neighbor, and that they can leave it there and leave being told you are 100% forgiven in Christ for this, I think is, is so important. And this is why it is very important that we practice the the two parts of confession and absolution and not the four. If we think about satisfaction, if we think about, you know, you got to show you're sorry enough for this, this, of course, appeals to the pride of the pastor who can then kind of be judge over the person. Oh, well, um, I can see you don't really mean it or something like that. We, we, are, we are restricted. We are unable to do that. And instead, the only thing we're really able to do is, yeah, we might be able to help them confess a little bit better. You know, sometimes we might say, you know, what you just said really isn't isn't sin per se. It's part of living in a fallen world or something like that. Um, so we might help them with their confession. But also the, the other thing we do is just straight up give the forgiveness of Christ himself. And so I think the benefit of that is just for the person knowing I'm not just forgiven for, you know, sin in general, for being a sinner and for sinning in general in thought, word, and deed. We say that in the divine service, of course, uh, with, the, with the corporate confession and absolution, which we absolutely should retain in, our, in every divine service, no matter what. But there's also with the private practice of confession and absolution, the assurance of knowing that particular sins are forgiven, that I am forgiven if I am coming and confessing my sin, that I am forgiven for that particular sin that I committed on a particular date or a particular habit that I may fall into or something like that. And to know and to hear the pastor say, Jesus died for this sin, not just for sins in general, but for that sin that you just confessed to me and that sin and every other one you've ever committed are now absolutely forgiven 100% because of Jesus. I think that's the, the great benefit of private mm -hmm. confession and absolution. As you look at the confessions, it's once again, we look at and see the words of what they're, they're saying this because this isn't happening. So I think often we would say, oh, well, 
everybody was doing private confession absolution. The priests were way too busy. That's why, you know, that they were doing this. But I think, you know, Dr. Miller has really brought up good points when you look historically that as they did these visitation and the visitation articles in the 1520s, there, there probably was, we can't say for sure 100%, but probably was an assumption and that what they saw was they weren't doing it. And not only that, but when they did do it, they were ones that were saying, you need to make satisfaction, which guarantee that Melanchthon, when he wrote the article on justification, and he ends it because he could have stopped. Here's the words that he says. Uh, article 4, justification in the Augsburg Confession, which we just recently studied. People are freely justified for Christ's sake through faith when they believe that they are received into favor and their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. By his death, Christ made satisfaction for our sins. God counts his faith for righteousness in his sight. So you almost can hear Melanchthon thinking when he's writing the article on confession about, okay, uh, and the article on justification, that he is directly speaking about confession, individual confession, absolution, that you go to confession knowing that Christ has made satisfaction as opposed to I'm going to enter that room and make satisfaction myself. So I love those kind of input and insights that you see throughout the confessions just to get a little bit better understanding of what they were addressing and also how it applies for us today. Pastor, any thoughts on that as we continue to move on? I think what's really interesting about that is that not a whole lot has changed, right? That's we, true. <laughs> you, and, you, and you said the, the concerns of, of those writing the confessions, the pastoral concerns, are ongoing pastoral concerns today. And uh, that's when I said in my introduction, you know, I come back to the confessions again and again for inspiration in my pastoral ministry. That's not just to say, hey, look at me, I, I'm a great confessional Lutheran, but it's, it's because it's true. <laughs> because you go to this and you think, wow, this is still so completely relevant. And today in our culture, there is, um, I, I think, definitely a, a, a sense of, of a broad-based felt need for satisfaction. Mm. You need to show that you're really sorry for this, that, or the other thing. And, um, you know, we, we, could, we could go through those things and name what they are, you know, and, and I think probably um, I, I will very hesitatingly use this, this word, but particularly uh, kind of with the woke movement in our culture, you need to confess your guilt. You need to confess that you have, you have done wrong in this way, but it's only confession and satisfaction. There is no absolution. There's no absolution given for this. And when there is only confession and satisfaction and no absolution, it is going to be completely self-destruction. That, that's what's going to happen. And this is also what happens in the mind of every individual Christian as they sin. They know that this is wrong. They are convicted by God's law that what I did was wrong. They know this. They don't, they don't always have to be told. Sometimes they need to be told, but a lot of times they, they already know, and they're really beating themselves up about it. That's what Luther and Melanchthon mean when, when they talk about, you know, the conscience being, uh, being against them, having a burdened conscience. And they need somebody outside of themselves to come to them and to literally speak Christ 
to them to say, uh, you know, that sin, it's taken away. And so it's, it's, it's an ongoing thing. It, it was an issue in the time of the Reformation. It's an issue for us today. And it's an issue because in our old sinful nature, we, we only look to inside ourselves. We only look to ourselves. But absolution draws us outside of ourselves by something completely outside of us, namely the promise of Jesus coming to us, you are forgiven for my sake. With all these benefits that you are highlighting and that we have highlighted in small catechism and will continue in the apology, even later here in the Augsburg Confession, it's one of these that I think we might assume based on if when we do visitations throughout our, let's just say the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, we might assume that this is what was said in the Augsburg Confession. Our churches teach that private absolution is completely optional and not needed in the churches. We might think that's what Melanchthon wrote, but it's very clear that they said, retain this. But, Pastor, do you have any any thoughts? Because I would argue, and I and I might have gone on a lot of visitations now in, in this new vocation, that I would argue that probably majority are not um, highlighting individual confession and absolution. And do you have any insights or thoughts of why would that be with all these wonderful gifts that we're speaking of? Oh, sure. Because, because we are chasing the rainbow, the imaginary rainbow of we are, if we can just get the right formula, our numbers in church are going to explode. And, and mm-hmm. we just have to get the right, uh, the right recipe, the right concoction the right data, the right practices, whatever they are. And if we can just mix them up in the right way, our churches are going to explode. We're going to grow numerically like, like nothing else. And when we are focusing all of our time and all of our energy on that, we don't have time for private confession and absolution. We don't have time for the person who says, Pastor, I really need to talk. Well, um, I, I'm sorry. I've I've only got 30 minutes this week, and it's in this uh, this this time block, and that doesn't fit your schedule. So that's just too bad. I have to go to this seminar. I have to uh, look at this curriculum. I have to have this meeting, and the bread and butter. What what the reformers consider the bread and butter of ministry, the word and sacraments. Well, we got our our day that we write the sermon. Okay. Um, well, we'd love it if somebody came to us and said they want their baby baptized, but we're, we're just not seeing that at the moment. Um, yep, I, I show up and I do Holy Communion uh, once, a, once a week. But the, the, the in-depth, personalized pastoral care that surrounds private confession and absolution takes time. And it also takes knowing your people, and it takes uh, an intimate trust, <laughs> You know, sometimes somebody will just come to a pastor they don't know and unburden their soul. But most often, it, that comes out of a deep relationship of trust. And personally, I think it's because in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we, are, we, we have deluded ourselves to a certain extent to thinking that every other Christian body in the United States has got it right. And if we can just figure out what their formula for growth is, then we can unlock that growth too. And yet uh, our identity or who we are uh, here in, in these confessions gives us such a rich pastoral practice that is so practical for working with our people who, who really feel 
burdened and guilty and shamed and everything else and it lies unused so um and you know and we all do it too it's not just like there's some of us who do and some of us who don't we we all fall into that it is it is a concern that we have that with confession and part of the reason why it, it tends to go in the background even as we study this and i i would say that in the in our church body currently that there's definitely a renewed we need to be doing this so there's a renewed reality that when somebody does go through confession absolution that they just cherish it beyond belief like you said that there's a comfort a clear conscience that no one else can give um that when you what's to say for example that pastor miller uh, or other pastors go to their board of elders and or their board uh, council and just say this is how many times i've gone through confession absolution with people um this week and i don't know if you would even list how many times you did it because like you said there's a confessional seal but even if you were to somehow put out the numbers or put out whatever it might be most people in america especially are not like well that's really cool <laughs> mm -hmm. or you know does it mean more butts in the pews does it what is and it's not tangible numbers or even like you mentioned prior that somebody could in essence come to you every single day and confess a sin and 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 you you've been faithful but it but that person might not look any different in culture they might not look any different in church it might not look any different anywhere else but yet we're being faithful to what god has given us so pastor uh, speak to the uh, uh, to the lady uh, that are listening to us today of the importance for them to consider this is a major part of who we are as a church in a world that really doesn't push for it. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, to to those of you out there who are listening today, uh, go go to private confession. Uh, you will find a great um, a, you'll find a great benefit and blessing in this. Uh, tell your pastor, hey, um, I, I would I would like to make this part of my my regular Christian life. And, um, you know, it, it, it goes both ways, too. Uh, pastors, too, need confession and absolution. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, in his uh, little book, Life Together, said, nobody should be hearing confessions who isn't confessing. And so this is for all of us as a synod, for laity, for uh, commissioned workers, for um, pastors. This is really a call to uplift and uphold and cherish private confession and absolution because, hey, you don't, you don't get this anywhere else. There is nowhere else in life where you can literally say, hey, this is what, this is what I've done. And I am not proud of it. I am ashamed of it. It's wrong. And I need forgiveness for this with no consequences other than having your sin taken away. And that is, and, and this is not a license to sin, of course, right? Paul says in Romans 6, uh, this doesn't mean, hey, grace is really good, so let's sin all we can. Uh, Paul says, heck no. Uh, that was the epistle reading for this past Sunday. No, uh, no, don't don't do that. You, you've missed the point. It's so that you can be at peace and you can have the peace of God that passes all understanding here and now in your life, in the midst of a life where so much is going wrong, where we do fail and sin all over the place, 
And yet we don't have to live in that. We can live in the victory that comes from knowing that we are forgiven in Christ. But to do that, we need to actually have that said to us again and again and again. And sometimes when a sin bothers us so much, we need to hear that personally uh, in, in that sin, in, in, for that particular sin, in that situation. So I would say, you know, practice it. Go to your pastor. And, and of course, you can confess to another Christian as well. Uh, the the really good thing about when you're going to confess with the pastor is that uh, those of us in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, who have been ordained into holy ministry, have promised before God to our synod and, and to our people that we will never reveal the sins confessed to us. And so while you can, you know, share your, your sin with any uh, Christian, there's a, there's a certain benefit to sharing this with a called and ordained pastor whose job it is, whose calling it is, whose task it is to hand over Christ's forgiveness for you. It's interesting how when we look at confession and absolution, individual confession and absolution, that there are there are moments, for example, there's a show that I, I've watched quite a bit called Blue Bloods. And and it and it, it it portrays this family that is Roman Catholic, and the father is the the police chief of the New York uh, Police Department NYPD. And there's a scene where he's with this lifelong criminal, and he tells the criminal, "You must confess." And the criminal, on his like basically on his deathbed, is like, "Yeah, you've got to be kidding." And 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 Tom Selleck is the actor, and he says, "No, not to me." And then he walks out and then the priest comes in Hmm. and you could see the comfort in this man. I mean, it just captures it beautifully because he's, oh, not to me. And he leaves and then he confesses to his priest. Now, I don't know how that all looks and and, and that, you know, this is just a a show. But but it but it does kind of capture that desire that you could see the look of relief on this lifelong criminal's face while at the same time. Um, this police officer realizes, okay, he's not going to confess to me, but he can be right with the Lord. And because in our culture, this is what we hear all the time. We'll say, hey, I'm sorry for this. And what will somebody say? Water under the bridge. You say, hey, I'm sorry about this or at your job. And you say, I'm sorry, I'm late. And they'll say, it's okay. Just don't do it again. (laughs) Or (laughs) even like in our families, we will say, "Um, no, it's okay. You know, I make mistakes too. All, what does that all leave us in? Because this is our lives every single day, Pastor. What does that leave us in and where the church has something to say? What are your thoughts? Yeah, we, we, we also need to see each other in the light of Christ's forgiveness, right? Not only ourselves, but, but also each other. And the, the temptation for the pastor, for the father, for the friend is to say, okay, I've forgiven you in, in Christ's name. I have given you God's forgiveness. Now go and sin no more. And I really mean it. You know, you need to stop it. We've just, we've just, we haven't necessarily made the forgiveness conditional, but we've thrown shade on it. That, that's not, that's not what uh, it's about, right? You, you shared that about Blue Bloods and, and I, I have seen a few episodes of that and enjoyed that too. Um, what, what comes to my mind is the story of one of our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod chaplains 
a pastor named Henry Garricky, and he was chosen to be, uh, because he spoke German, this is in World War II, uh, he was chosen to be the German-speaking chaplain for the Nazi war criminals at Nuremberg. And there were many who made fun of him amongst the Nazis and who, you know, rebuffed this. There was one uh, in particular, uh, Wilhelm Keitel, who had been Hitler's chief of staff. And uh, he went to him for private confession and absolution before he died. Uh, now, we know, you know, some of what Keitel's crimes were, being complicit and, and encouraging of the Holocaust, amongst other things. But we don't know the exact things that he confessed. And even, you know, that, that's the thing about Jesus' death and resurrection. Even somebody who had done something as, as horrible as one, in, one of these ranking Nazis could have the same forgiveness of Jesus the same death of Jesus who died for us, died for him too. And uh, for me, that, that's always kind of stuck with me as a, as a pastor of, you know, th- this is what it really means to hear private confession and absolution. You don't get to be, uh, you don't get to harp on the sin of the person confessing. Your duty, your job, and your joy is to give the forgiveness of Christ. I heard it once said, that part of the reason why we're always hesitant, not always, when we are hesitant to forgive somebody is because we want to hold on to it so we can bring it up later. But if you forgive it, then you it's it's gone. It's done. It's in Christ. Which is why I love the simplicity, as I mentioned here prior, the individual confession absolution in our Lutheran service book on page 293. Basically, the person has confessed all their sins, and the pastor says, do you believe that my forgiveness is God's forgiveness? It's a simple question. And the simple response is yes. Once again, emphasizing that when your pastor forgives your sins, it is not their forgiveness, but Christ's forgiveness. And by his wisdom and his uh, uh, insight, the Lord has given your pastor and and other Christians to forgive sins, but it's never ours. It's always Jesus's. And then as it says, let it be done for you as you believe. And then the pastor puts his hand on, on the head. And says, in the stead of by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And together they say, Amen. And then the deed is done. Pastor, that just seems too simple. <laughs> what would you say to that? No, nah, it's too simple. It has to be more difficult than that. What would you say? Um, it, it, it's, it's not simple because it put Jesus on the cross. There's nothing simple about that but what is required Jesus fulfills all the requirements. If we go back and think about, you know, contrition and satisfaction, it's not that just that they're removed. It's that Jesus took care of them for us. God himself became a human, left the portals of heaven, became one of us, took our sin upon himself and away from us. Uh, Nothing simple about that. It's mind-blowing grace. And uh, to that, the pastor only gets to say at the very end of that, go in peace. Not go and sin no more, not shape up, but go in peace. I once had, when I, when a member came to me and asked for, for, for a confession absolution, when we're all done, I said, go in peace. And the person said, that was awesome. <laughs> that, was the, yeah. that was the last word, you know, like, that was awesome. 
and the amount of time is so short and the amount of time is so the 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 right itself is simple but i love how you said this it's like when they asked when jesus said is it more difficult for me to ask this man to right, stand up and walk or more difficult to forgive sins and and you listen to that and our natural reaction that you hear this and i ask confirmances i did ask confirmances quite often is what's harder and they're like oh to forgive sins because all you have to say is you're forgiven and it's done and you're like no because God himself can just make that man walk. No big deal. Boom. Done. Mm-hmm. But in order to forgive sins, as you said this so well, Pastor, it needs blood. It needs a cross. It needs death and resurrection. And all of that, yes, that is definitely more, more difficult. It's not simple. It required a death of our perfect Lord for you and I. So all I can say to that is go in peace. Pastor, at the end, as we go here to the last two minutes of our time, what would be your encouragement to our our listeners, to our churches, pastors, whoever it might be, of the importance of confession absolution in the past, why they wrote this in the confessions, and for today? My my simple admonition would be do it. Have private confession and absolution. Not just because, as Melanchthon says, it's your job if you're a pastor but because of the wonderful benefit it is, because God has given us in private confession and absolution the greatest gift under heaven and earth, and we, we don't use it, and we do other things. So let's use the gift. And I think when we do, we will find blessings thousandfold. It doesn't mean our problems are all going to go away, but as you said, we're going to have peace here and now that comes from Christ alone. Pastor Joshua Miller of Jehovah Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota, clearly confessing the truth of confession and absolution from the Augsburg Confession, Article 11. Pastor Miller, thank you for being with us on Concord Matters. Thank you. Wonderful to be with you. As the, the hymn says, hymn number 606, I lay my sins on Jesus. I lay my sins on Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God. He bears them all and frees us from the accursed load. I bring my guilt to Jesus to wash my crimson stains, clean, clean in his blood most precious, till not a spot remains. Go to confession and be made clean by our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finneran. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe.